Hey there, anglers, and welcome to episode one of SAA Guide Talk. I'm your host and SAA Guide Mitch Carter, and to my right... Hey guys, Paul Kieselewski, um owner, GM, and guide for SAA. Hi everybody, my name is Ethan Hallfield, I'm to Paul's right here, I'm the head guide for Southern Appalachian Anglers. And uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, this is something we've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, it's been in the works all year, but uh, I would say due to a pretty hectic guide season so far, not like any other guide season, it isn't any less hectic, but um, we've been busy. We've been pretty busy. And uh, like I say, this is this has been in the work. This is all of our our first time doing any kind of podcast. So if uh, anything's a little little scratchy, a little rocky, a little rough around the edges. We apologize in advance, but any feedback would be greatly appreciated for that. Um, but we just wanted to have a long-form uh, conversation style of connecting with you guys, uh, connecting with past clients, new clients, you know, people who might not even want to take a trip with us, uh, but folks just want to tune in and listen, you know, to stuff that we have to say. Um, if anyone wants to hear what we have to say. <laughs> but um, guys, like I say, thanks for tuning in. And today uh, for episode one, um, we're just going to talk about uh, why we started guiding. Um, we're going to give some background to that. Um, just kind of let you guys know who we are. Um, the reasons why we started our podcast. And, uh, you know, like I said, I already named one of them off. Um, you know, just trying to connect with people. But, uh, you know, we're also just trying to uh, generally get you guys excited about future episodes and what we have in store for you. So, um, I guess what order do we want to do this in? Go ahead, mic up right there. Yeah. Keep those on. Um, so I guess Paul, since you're the, you're the head honcho. <laughs> All right. When we talk about kind of how we got started, um, long story, I'm trying to make it short. We, we started, um, how am I going to start this? We really, really got kicked off guiding around 2015, kind of full-time. Um, started really amping up marketing efforts, website, content. Um, and I know that's a little little uh, getting ahead of myself, but basically I worked for a chemical safety company, uh, traveled around for corporate. They were based out of Chicago. Uh, worked for them for a while and I really just did not want to be in the corporate world for uh, for a while for a number of different reasons um, didn't want that to be uh, my lifestyle didn't want that to be my family's lifestyle and uh, just didn't want to be away from my wife for for uh, you know weeks at a time and have to come back and be the grass be a, a foot higher than when I left Sunday. Um, so I, when we first started, I, uh, we started in, is actually in when, when my wife, Casey, when we were in a, uh, rental, uh, when we were right before we, right before we got married, um, and a little bit before that, I was trying to, uh, start a bait company. Um, and Casey was a big, uh, uh, big advocate of starting starting that and going going big with that but that's uh, obviously that's going to take a lot of um, money and a startup cost so I knew that wasn't in the books so uh, started guiding and um, she really wanted me to to just go for it and 
Um, I was working on the weekends, guiding on the weekends, guide Saturday, guide Sunday, and then on either Sunday night or Monday at four in the morning, I'd take off plane once a month. It wasn't every week, but take off on a plane, go to Chicago, work for the week, and then um, come back Friday, talk to my clients, get back on the river on Saturday and Sunday. So did that for, I want to say, a year and a half, and Ethan, you were gotten when I was still kind of doing that yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I started bit. out like right as you, you were on the tail end of that I was kind of phasing much. out. Yeah, you were on the tail end of it, I think. Yeah, and it just got to a point where I was, I'd be, at, I'd be, so they would buy companies to fill the umbrella of uh, chemical safety. So I would be in like this oil containment company in Kentucky. And I remember we were just like in a conference call for work. And I was like, all right, I got to stay. I got to, you know, got a phone call. So I'd go out in the parking lot and answer the call and talk to some client who wanted to book a trip. And uh, it just got to a point where it was, uh, I guess, growing. And I started really losing interest in my job and uh, did not want to travel all the time. Um, I knew that I knew what I wanted to do, knew that I didn't. I was also started to get uh, scared of flying all the time. So um, I never had a problem flying. Uh, even as I was like five years old, I'd go up to um, family, uh, my aunt's house in, in Long Island and New York, uh, went overseas uh, a couple times. So I never had a problem with flying, but as I was like flying for this company that I did not want to be working at. I was like, what if I die in this plane crash that I, to go into a job oh that I God. do not want to be? Yeah. So I was like, I just psyched myself out. Yeah. So eventually I started driving to Chicago. Gosh. The last like four or five times I went up there, I would drive all, <laughs> all day. Either. Yeah. <laughs> so I drive up there and I eventually told my boss, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I just don't like flying anymore. <laughs> so that, that sounds like something you would do though, to be honest, <laughs> knowing you now. Paul, yeah, knowing Paul, just, <laughs> when Paul's done, he's done. He's, done. he's had it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's the thing. Like no, no matter how hard you think it is being, being a guide, like your toughest days, your roughest days, you will never be Paul flying back in every week to run trips on the weekend. There's nothing that beats that, Chicago, I don't think. Chicago back here to Asheville. Got, what, were you like flying into Asheville? Yeah, Asheville. I'd depart. So, so Asheville to O'Hare had a 4 a.m. flight in the morning. So the time difference, right, I'd get there. Um, believe or might have been five, so I'd wake up at like three thirty, um, get to the airport, uh, checked in by four thirty, fly at five, get there in the office or get to O'Hare, get to their office at seven o'clock or like six something, and be there before anybody was even there, before the CEO, before CFO, before you know all these guys like. Again, that sounds pretty. exactly. That's accurate. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Just, I'd be waiting there with my suitcase and. What is that, Casey? Casey says you'll be thirty minutes late to your own, or thirty minutes early. To your thirty own minutes early. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Paul. Thanks, Paul, Casey. It doesn't matter 
where you're going, what you're doing. Guys, if you book Paul, just expect to get beat. That's just how it's going to be. He's 30 minutes early to everything. Sometimes even like 50. Unless you're working with Kaysen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kaysen's one of our other guys that, that isn't here. He's back in college right now. But yeah. but that boy, yeah, Lord Kaysen have mercy. beat me on all my Kaysen, trips. Kaysen's our, Kaysen's our part. Our, uh, our newest uh, member, he's a, he's a part-timer. He, he works with us uh, in between semesters at App State, and he's a really good angler uh, so far. Really great guy. Um, yeah. But uh, shout-out, Kaysen. But, um, yeah. Yeah, he uh, – yeah, Kaysen, Kaysen – and we'll let Paul get back to it. Kaysen beat me, and so was it – it, it was all three of us on Shelton. Yeah, he beat all of us. Yeah, we, a, we told him to be there at, like, what, 6 o'clock? Or something yeah, like no, that. No, it was six thirty, and the dude showed up at like five fifty. Yeah, maybe earlier than that. I think it was earlier than that. I think it was there since like five thirty. I texted him that there was a cop on the side of the road. I was like, "Hey, just FYI, everyone, there's a you know five zero. Watch your speed." <laughs> He's like, "Okay." <laughs> like I got there. He's already there. <laughs> He's already there. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so anyway, anyway, yeah. So, um. And then when I first, when I actually first started talking about this, um, I, I quit, I actually quit my job and was starting to guide. And this was like before me and Casey were, uh, I guess we were just engaged or maybe just married and we were just getting engaged. I can't remember timeline, but it was somewhere around there and I was just like quit my job and I was like, I'm going to start guiding. And Casey's all for it. She's like, go for it. She's like, you know. Um, she's, she's a dreamer too. So, um, I quit and, you know, I don't know what she was thinking. I also don't know what I was thinking, uh, <laughs> just getting married and about a month or two later, just right called me back up and they said, um, I want you to come back. I was like, all right, well, uh, they said, well, you can work from home. You can work from home now. So that's when I worked from home. That's when I traveled a bunch. So long story short, and did that for a while and then just started growing it. I mean, Ethan's been with us for forever throughout kind of the transition or my transition yeah, out I, of it. I remember coming back, I think it was from a trip, and then you walked out um, and, you, and you were like, yeah, just quit it, quit my job. I'm going to go gotten full-time like, sweet <laughs> so and yeah i was i was there basically since like what, what was it 2017 yeah i think it was 2017 i think it was 2017 yep it was yeah. somewhere around that time and it's just been a wild whirlwind ever since like yeah. from that point on it's been kind of a blur we've been so busy but it's all good stuff i mean it's it is. it's all really good stuff that's been happening so and this podcast is kind of an accumulation of just all of that too you know yeah um yeah, it was, and I and I guess another. I was I, I kind of got a fear of being fired, That's and fair. I just I don't know. I just I knew I was in the in the works for me. I was training somebody. It's just to add to the list, you know. Um, I was always worried about it, and I was making them like you know, was, you you're doing all this stuff for the company and just having to worry about yourself getting fired off the drop of a hat i mean you don't have to do anything oh, yeah. wrong i've seen it so many times in that company where they're just like yeah we're gonna fire you know we're gonna fire grant we're gonna fire brent or we're gonna fire oh, yeah. sergio mm-hmm. like it's just i heard it so many times i'm like well i'm training this 
chick down in Kentucky that was working under me. I was like, okay, well, she's going to know exactly what I'm doing. And I'm the guy that's working from home and she's in office. Very easy to just switch my job to her job. Yeah. So anyway, I know long story short was not so short, but uh, (laughs) you'll hear me hear me say that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the story of this whole podcast. Be honest with you. That's what F one's all about here. We're just breaking the ice. So um, yeah. So uh, did you give any background like where you were from, like how you cut your teeth fishing? I mean, yeah, good call. I think. Because, you know, Paul explained this to me when I first came on with the team and, you know, he's explained it to us, you know, time and time again about how, uh, you know, his his style of fishing, what he grew up doing, um, what he enjoys the most, which is bass fishing. He, he just hired me. And bass fishing. He just, he just hired me and he's going to run <laughs> trout trips for him. That's the only reason we're here. So. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But, uh, um, yeah, Paul, Paul, give us a little bit of little bit of background there as far as like you know what you grew up doing and then you know why saa is is a little bit different from uh you know the other god services in the area and, and you know in a lot of ways we're the same but i mean you you tell it you tell it best so. yeah so grew up in hendersonville and lake lure lake lure is where i cut my teeth fishing so learning how to fish so i can remember uh, I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell this briefly. The first time I've ever caught a bass, and I've got two stories for y'all. Uh, one was the first time I caught a bass. <clears throat> it's down. We grew up down in Lake Lore. Had a, had this cove, and there was this boat slips in there. Um, we all had our boats in there, and I would go down to the dock, and I had a little white rooster tail, and there was this uh, these mountain laurels, rhododendron. Uh, just kind of like it is on um, on Laurel. Mm-hmm. There's a little pocket that you could skip up under, and it was raining. Skipped it under, and I was probably like seven years old, skipping six or seven. seven. Y'all skipping at seven, <laughs> and skip, skip rooster tail on that side. Skipping, skipping treble, seven. skipping it's treble hooks. Was born born to be a guy. That was probably the first time I actually skipped too. I was really impressed. I can remember <laughs> the whole time. Like I can remember, yeah. you know, till this day, skipping yeah. under there, and then I mean the bass wasn't but that big, right? Mm-hmm. And twelve inches maybe max, probably smaller than that. Probably like nine, eight, nine inches. And I just remember the way he hit, the way it felt, the whole thing. And from and from that day forward, I was like, and I was like, that's a bass. It's like that is amazing. Like that's like the epitome of fishing yeah. for me. And, and I mean that's it. So yep. the second story is I don't know if I should tell a second story. Maybe we'll wait for that later. All right. Fair enough. Um so grew up down there, bass fished, uh, learned how to bass fish, learned how to skip docks, learned how to skip trick worms, skip jigs. Learned how to fish in the wintertime uh, with spoons, with dine shad. Learned how to crank, spinnerbait, fish long points. Um, and that's just, I don't know, that's just, that, that's what I love to do. Um, I've learned how to fish down there. I also learned how to trout fish down there, so the Rocky Broad goes into the fringe. They used to stock it a bunch, and it was a lot more accessible back in the day. But I would run up the river, like I still do today with all these lakes, and I would bass fish up the river. You catch white bass, largemouth, 
anything. Um, and that, that's just, I just, it grew so, it, it's, the passion grew so strong inside of my heart, my soul of bass fishing. I'm just so eat up with it. Like just, it doesn't matter. If you want to talk about bass fishing, we'll talk all day long. Yeah, me and Mitch have kind of gotten to the point of if we don't hear from you, you're probably on the lake somewhere. Yep. Yeah. We just automatically assume. Yeah, no. Yeah. Paul, yeah, it's still very, very, um, very evident, his his love for bass fishing. Like, uh, kind of, you'll hear from a little bit from my background and Ethan's background, too. Uh, they're fairly, fairly similar. Uh, Ethan and I grew up in the same area, but uh, Paul down there and more more bass country i guess you could say he uh that's i guess you could say that's how you cut your teeth and uh one one thing that that paul explained to me is um you know one thing that we do predominantly now i mean we still run we still run musky floats we still run trout wades trout floats uh we do those seasonally in the spring and the fall in the tuckasegee um but we're running smallmouth trout wades and smallmouth paul told me when he hired me on that's that's the bread and butter of this company and um, you know, we take advantage of uh, these fisheries like, you know, the French Broad, uh, Nolichucky Rivers, you know, really, really good uh, smallmouth fisheries. And, um, you know, we, we don't just focus on one thing. There's there's too many good game fishing opportunities in Western North Carolina, um, I guess, that, that people don't take as much advantage of. Um, and I guess... Uh, it's fair to say the way you explained it to me is you kind of saw the writing on the wall with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's when you decided to do the smallmouth thing. Cause you just, you know, had that, that passion, that love for bass fishing, um, still had that passion for trout, you know, fly fishing, everything too. But that, that smallmouth fishing is one of the things, like to, I say, to your point there. Yeah. I, when I first, before, when me and Casey were dating and she was like, just, you know, start, you know, do, do it. I went to, and I briefly told you this, I went to uh, Curtis Wright, and they said, yeah, we run all, all trout, trout floats, trout wades. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, and I was learning. I was like, I like, I know how to trout fish. I know how to, you know, fly fish. I don't know all the bug names, but I just, I like, I, I got it. I still don't. I only know two. I only know two. That's okay. There's too many to know anyway. And so, like, I... I I didn't really, not like I didn't, I guess I just didn't really care about that. So anyway, I, I went to Curtis Wright and then asked him kind of for a job. He never really got back to me and Casey's like, ah, you know, you should probably just, just do your own thing. And then uh, I called called Travis, Asheville Anglers, and he, he kind of said the same thing. He's like, yeah, trout floats, do some trout wades, that's, that's our thing. But I knew there was just something more. Like, there's so many untapped fisheries, and we tap into a lot of them. Right. And there's so many hidden gems that you just, I mean, heck, if you want to spend a day looking at Google Maps, you'll find stuff. Yeah. Um, but the access to it, going out and checking and learning and not going on private land or going on private land and getting access to it through private owners, mm-hmm. that's a different story. And that's what we've done. Yeah. yeah. And, and to that, too, I mean, and I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later, but... You know, I think what another thing that separates us too, in addition to that, like putting in the work scouting all these places, mm-hmm. because I mean, we cover about 
what is it, almost a hundred mile radius around Asheville at this point to a certain degree. Mm. North, south, east, west. Well, north and west and southeast is kind of meh, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, with that being said, though, it's like, you know, that there's such a wide area. And it's like you said, there's so many untapped fisheries. But I think another thing, too, is that we aren't fly fishing purists mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, yes, we do, you know, fly fishing is bread and butter when it comes to trout. But yeah. Well, I look at everything as like, it's like a tool, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a tool to get a job done. So for smallmouth, for example, spinning rods usually way to go throughout most of the year, right? Especially like what we do, trying to catch mm-hmm. bigger ones in the spring and the fall during our trophy seasons. It's about the only way you're going to get one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that took a lot of... I mean, I remember when me and you first really got that dialed in. Mm-hmm. And gosh, when was that? 20... How long has it been now? Like five, six years ago now at this point? Yeah, like it's been a while, and it's probably longer than that. But it was just all of this stuff kind of coming together, and we put those puzzle pieces together, and then it was it all just clicked. Mm-hmm. All yeah. of a sudden, we started running to like these fish that we didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that was the cool part. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. And I, uh, to be quite frankly, I mean, I was getting tired of the the Nola Chucky. I was like, like in 2015, 2016. I remember that because you went out there that winter and you started catching them on jigs and do all this other stuff that was more finesse than jigs. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, I do not want to go back to work and float the Noli and catch these little fish again. <laughs> I was, I mean, I'm dead. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I was right. about to throw in the daggum towel. I was well, like, I mean, this cannot be what, it, what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets to the point where, like, but you know, you it's think, nice to mix it up. It, it's nice to mix it up. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there's certain seasons you're going to catch. You know, smaller ones, more small ones, I should say. Yeah. But, you know, that's my mentality behind it was I just had this feeling like, and I, I think if you guide enough, you'll kind of, you know what I'm talking about if you're listening to this and you guide as well. But um, you get this feeling that, like, there's something you're missing mm-hmm. in a way. And I've gotten that multiple times. There's a lot of things I still haven't quite figured out yet. But I just had this feeling that something was missing that I wasn't doing quite right. And that's why I started putting so much effort into it. I was like, well, They've got to eat in the winter. The small, and I looked at it from like fishing a lake. Like I was like, when I go out and I fish in the dead of January, I'm not looking for every fish in the lake. If you're going to catch one, it's usually going to be mm-hmm. a pretty good one, right? So I applied that smallmouth fishing. Same thing on the French, too, to mm-hmm. a certain degree. Um, I was like, you know, why don't we just try it? See what happens. And then sure enough, it started working. So... That was pretty cool. And it's like Mitch yeah. said, I think, you know, it's something that kind of separates us a little bit. And um, that's not to hate on anybody else or what anyone else does. I mean, fly fishing is great. I love doing it. But, you know, there's just sometimes better ways to get the job done. Yeah. And vice versa. Vice versa, too. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the uh, yeah, like I say, that was, I guess that was kind of. Paul's story and uh, the origins of, of SAA a little bit there. And, you know, I'm sure that'll get touched on more, um, you know, the more that we continue about this podcast series. And, guys, we've got – I mean, this has been in the works pretty much all year. Um, this is, I guess, as much my brainchild as it is Paul's brainchild. I just – we were kind of – we kind of had, like, the wintertime blues. And, you know, that every guy knows that uh, that December through February, you know, dead season. Um 
but uh, I was sitting there in January, just like, you know, bored out of your mind like you get. And then I was like, shoot, man. And I got to thinking, you know, with there's so many podcasts out nowadays, um, so many fishing podcasts, so many true crime, sports, I mean, whatever. And uh, I thought, well, you know, the, the way it kind of came about, I'm just saying, oh, no, we're good. The way it kind of came about is, um, you know, after all of our trips, you know, if we all have a if we all have a half day, we all have a full day, we all kind of congregate back here to our our shop, and I mean, we'll sit and talk for it's. I mean, we've sat and talked for like four or five hours before after like a half day trip. We'll get we'll all get back here at like twelve thirty, and then check your watch after sitting here shooting the bull. It'll be like <laughs> it'll be like six o'clock, and your wife's yeah. like calling you, and you know, but uh, and Katie like. Katie will be, I'll come home, Katie will be like, well, I thought you had a half day. It's like, well, I did. You've been talking with Ethan and Paul again. <laughs> it's like, it's just how it goes. So we, we figured we would, we would uh, kind of outlet that, uh, if you will, into uh, podcast form. And um, another, big, uh, another big reason why we started this is just simply because, uh, you know, we, we wanted to, the, we want to have an education aspect to it, um, you know, conservation education, um, general fishing education, you know, get, you know, I, we don't, we don't want to make it like a, like an informative podcast entirely, you know, but we just want to like keep mm-hmm. it real, let you guys know what it's like, you know, in our lives guiding, uh, what it's like fishing around here, um, things we go through, things we see, you know, we're going to have plenty of like product review and how to do this and you know what to do when here and this and that and we just got we've got a ton of stuff in store for you guys so it's super exciting um but um i feel like we need to be wrapping something up but this is a podcast we can talk for as long as we need to that's exactly right so the world is our oyster and it is only 151 as we speak right now so we have time is on our side i do believe um, unless you guys have something else but ethan um if you don't mind, if you want to give some uh, kind of background on on your story, how you cut your teeth doing what you do, and uh, kind of how you ended up sitting in that seat right there. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Well, there's a lot of rabbit holes we can go down there, but I'll spare you all most of that. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll start kind of backwards from what from what Paul did there, and I'll start, we'll turn the clock back to I was around four Oh boy. Three or four years old. <laughs> and we won't go through everything, but that, that age right there was really pivotal for me because that's where I really found my love of fishing. And at the time, I didn't really realize it either. But um, my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother took me up to a trout pond close to where me and Mitch grew up at. And there's a little trout stream running by. And I remember fishing at that trout pond like you do, just hucking worms and corn and doing whatever. Trout stream will remain yep. unnamed. Yep, exactly. Yeah. There's some. There's the, <laughs> with that note, there are some places that we will not discuss yeah, on yeah, here, yeah. FYI. But with that Sorry being said, yes, yeah. yeah, so the, the, the certain trout stream near and dear to my heart was right next yeah. to it. And I remember looking at my granddad. I think we'd been out there for an hour. It was like August, you know, so those poor stalkers were baking in the trout pond, probably half dead anyway, and <laughs> I hadn't caught anything. <laughs> you know how little kids are anyway. I was probably getting really impatient. But I vaguely remember looking at him and looking down the river and being like, is there anything in there, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I have little kid's curiosity. And then he took me, hobbled down to the creek, because he was probably 70-something at that point. And I remember hucking a worm in there. And I caught a trout. 
And it was a rainbow. It was a stalker rainbow, but still a fish. It was a rainbow about maybe 12 inches long or so. My granddad, great-granddad, took it, had a mount on the wall for me. I've got that fish in my house right now. Um, and that that right there is one of my earliest memories, and that's what kicked off really my love for fishing. Um, I remember calling my great-granddad just at random in the summertime when I was growing up as a kid and being like, hey, can we go fish? Can we go fish? That's back when you had, like, actual phones in your house, too, which is going to sound older than what I actually am, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Um, Fast forward a little bit, I... We were at that same stream, actually, and I remember going through there with, like, a rooster tail and not catching anything, and there was a guy downstream of me. Um, Looking back on it, I I don't think he really knew what he was doing, which is fine, Um, but he had this bright red fly line, and I remember that whizzing through the air, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Pretty sweet. So I sat there and watched him for a second, and I watched him catch a trout, and I was like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> and I kind of left it at that. Um, but through the nurturing education of my great grandfather, who was not a fly fishing purist, but he did fly fish some, he took me up on another trout stream, which shall not be named. And that's where I caught my first trout on the fly. And that was what really sparked something in me. And I was like, this is really, really cool. Um, he passed away when I was around 16, but in, in the meantime, in between there and when I was in, in high school, everywhere that we went to on a family vacation had to orient around some pond or some creek that I could go fish at because if I was not near a trout stream on my summer vacation or any just like a bass pond anywhere, I would not be a happy camper, right? Mm-hmm. So my family took me, you know, we had a little pop-up, and we went camping all over the place. We went up to Shenandoah in Virginia, down the Smokies. Um, and what I'll add this to my background a little bit as well. My family's been here for over 200 years in one way or another from up where me and Mitch are at and down the Smokies. So a lot of these places I've fished and guided on are like, for example, there's a stream down the Smokies that my great granddad was born on and it's now in the great Smoky Mountains national park. So all that's kind of cool. Um, but I got the itch for guiding. There was a little fly shop in the town I grew up in and I would go in there whenever I got my driver's license and, I probably annoyed the heck out of those poor fellers in there. I was that, that was that one nerdy kid oh, yeah. who would just go in there and just sit with, like, the old guys in the back. You know, they're drinking coffee, and the guys would come back in, and they'd talk about, you know, their days or whatever. And I'm just sitting there just in the back, like, soaking it all up like a sponge. Dude, right? at that point in your life, like, and I remember this, and, you know, I'm a good bit younger than Ethan, but uh, I remember this about going to River's Edge there in Spruce Pine. Mm-hmm, yep. Because like when you go into River's Edge and like you see guides, it's like it's like those are like I don't know. Well when it's you're like, when you're a kid, you know, you yeah, you, kid, you look like up to somebody thing. it's like, you know Yeah. Like how kids are with like <laughs> professional bass fishermen. Like imagine Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. imagine Paul when you were fourteen getting me like Ken Van Dam or Gerald Swindle. Right? Oh Aaron Martins was or my Aaron all Martin, time right? hero. Still you know, is. so yeah. you, you look up to those guys, and they might not yeah. even be anything special, but I mean, you still look up to them, right? Oh, yeah. And they know how to fish, and you know they know how to fish. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. And so I, I cut my teeth in there a little bit. Um, fast forward to college, I went to NC State, and a buddy of mine that I met through some guys at River's Edge, his dad owned a fly shop in Boone, uh, our, our friend, I should say, Matt Michael. Um, Matt Michael was a competitive fly fisherman, and he's just you just have to know Matt. He's a incredible angler when it comes to fly fishing. Well, his dad ran a fly shop in Boone. Um, I started guiding out a little bit with them way back in the day. 
And I remember my first guy trip that I ran and with Matt. And Matt just kind of left me to my own devices without really telling me how to do anything. And I was pretty terrified, to be quite honest with you, because I was just kind of thrown into it. And I was like, well, you know, this can go one of two ways. I'm either going to get really lucky or Matt's going to never let me do this again. Thankfully, there was a stalker brookie right there that the gentleman that I had caught. And I remember coaching him through the whole process. And looking back on now, I didn't even know half of what I know now. Looking back on now, though, you know, I was that that did something for me. I was like, this is really cool. Right. Like taking your knowledge and then transplanting into someone who's never done it before and then watching them have success with it. That That's that's pretty cool, mm-hmm, you yeah. know. And so um, but with that being said, me and Matt, we both went to NC State and he got me to join their collegiate bass fishing team. Um, that's where I fell in love with bass fishing. I kind of came into it earlier than Paul did. Um, bass fishing for me when I was growing up was just throwing rooster tails in the summertime for smallmouth. And that's, and you know, we're going to a pond, right? And, you know, I did have a pond. I was fortunate enough to live by when I was growing up as well as a small lake and no one fished it. There were like three and four pound bass in there. And I just thought that's what bass fishing was like. I just thought you could yeah. go down there and throw like anything you want to catch a four pounder. Like I didn't realize how lucky I was at the time, you know? And so, um, that's what kind of, you know, all those things kind of coming together gave me a lot of experience. And so I get out of college, right. And, you know, I'm kind of piddling around doing some stuff. I worked as a, for a conservation group there for a while. I taught high school environmental science for a little bit. Um, but in between all that, from like 2017 to now, I, I started guiding through Paul. Um, we met through another gentleman, and he was, I remember us going to the, uh, I think that's when I had Facebook or something like that. I remember you messaging me and be like, hey, come mm-hmm. come to Burnsville here, and we'll we'll talk things out. And here I am, and I'm like, oh, this is for real now. So we're sitting there eating some nachos, and you know, we're talking fishing or whatever. And then Where'd we went to uh, the... Rio. Rio, that's right. <laughs> I can never remember the place right there. So then we went up to another trout stream, which looking back on now, I didn't know why we went there, to be honest with you. But I have no idea. I think we just wanted to see if I was actually worth a crap or not, to be honest with you. But yeah. 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 It was like just third, second, third cast in. I was like, better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll work. Um, that's who I'm going to get to run all my trout trips. That guy, <laughs> that guy right that guy there. Right there. Um, and so I remember, I remember that I was back in 2017 and then, you know, it's just been kind of, I've, I've watched this grow with Paul. Cause I remember starting that's Ethan. He, Ethan. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm messing up on the mic and Mitch no, is yelling good. at me, but, um, it won't be the first time it happens. I promise. <laughs> but with that being said, you know, I started out doing that and I've worn a lot of hats. I've done a lot of other different jobs, but guiding's always been one thing I've always came back to because I, I love teaching people number one. Um, but I also don't like being stuck inside all day. Mm-hmm. So this is a great, I mean, making a living, doing what you love like this. I mean, this is it. Right. Yes. And, um, I've loved every single minute of it. It's been one of the best decisions I've ever made, and here I am now. So yeah, it's been a it's been a whirlwind, especially over the last you know couple of years. It's been you know I I thought back in 2018, you know, and we were busy, like we were oh busy. But yeah. then after the last couple of years, it's like, shoo. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is great. I mean, we, we're very blessed in that respect. But now the the 
as people said the uh, or as you know as many people have said I'm sure I'm not the first one to say this I know I'm not the first one to say it, but the uh, the pandemic was kind of a double edged sword mm-hmm. um, you know however you want to break that down however you want to look at it um, but uh, I don't know it's just whatever you do in life whether you're a contractor whether you like my father-in-law whether you shoe horses for a living whether you mow lawns i mean you're you're up and down with the world and the way that things go so Mm -hmm. yeah last last two years have been i promise you guys just as crazy as us for it has been as it has been probably for you so um but uh yeah ethan ethan's right with that so you good you done we cool yeah, I think we're cool. Okay, we're cool. Uh, well, we'll right. we got a lot of stuff to go over. So, well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys one thing. Um, we actually uh, lost video about halfway through. I think my my iPhone got too filled up with storage, so we might have to find another <laughs> alternative for that. Um, okay. So I apologize for that, guys. We will we will get a video version of this podcast turned out. If, at the very least, we will have audio. But we're we're still trying to get the video worked out. But we've hopefully got audio dialed in. Um, really wanted to focus on audio for you guys more than anything and even if we just put it up on youtube with a picture and just the mm-hmm. audio you know for people that want to go that route um but this is going to be on uh lord will and apple podcasts uh spotify and um, we've got the hook up with that and um bunch of other podcasting platforms too i don't even know all the podcast there's so many i didn't I even only know two I, I i only know apple podcasts and i didn't even know spotify. well yeah spotify well i guess you could have assumed that google had a podcast thing too but i'm apple guy so i had no idea about any kind of google podcast or anything like that so um but yeah we, we should be out on on just about anything that you can get podcasts on and if you don't have if you're not on google spotify or apple Podcasts, what are you doing like just get Spotify. Don't worry, guys. I'm not on any of those either. It's okay. Yeah, the, I don't even have Venmo. On, you're gonna be on one of them. <laughs> yeah, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan doesn't even have Venmo. Ethan, Ethan's trying to maintain his his old mountain man tip me in cash persona. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, there will be a lot of ragging um, on each other in between uh, these episodes, guys. So be ready for that. But um, well, Mitch, you gonna tell us about you? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll I'll tell you guys about me. So. Um, well, uh, I mean, if you grow up around here, you're always adjacent to fishing, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you fish a lot, fish a little, you've probably at least fished once. There's way too many good fisheries. There's way too many pretty places to be. And if you haven't really fished all that much, you've probably been on the river. And if you haven't, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out there. Get out there. Um, but... Um, like I say, you know, I grew up in the area. I'm actually first generation um, in Western North Carolina. Uh, my father's family is from uh, Southern West Virginia, and uh, my mother's family is actually from New Jersey. Um, uh, I am technically half Polish, um, which is pretty wild. <laughs> uh, without going into all that crazy backstory, um, I'm, I'm first generation here because uh, when my parents met and had me, they liked it really good here. So um, here I am, uh, born in Asheville. Raised about an hour north of Asheville there in the same area that Ethan's from. Um, and um, the way I really kind of cut my teeth fishing, and I, there's, there's one man um, that I would, I would say was probably my biggest fishing influence in my life. And every, every guy could probably say this, and that's, you know, my grandfather on my father's side. Um, 
That man could, I mean, he could look at a fish the right way and it'd end up in the net. I mean, it was like, he, he was just really good. Phenomenal fly fisherman, phenomenal uh, bass fisherman. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that my start in fly fishing was as early as Ethan's. Ethan, Ethan got a really early start fly fishing, like really early, early. Um, and in a sense, uh, I got a, I got a pretty early start being adjacent to fly fishing too. My, my grandfather was always sending me, he was always mailing me these old flies. I still got a lot of them today. Thank God. Um, he would always send me like whopper ploppers and like all these hand carved baits that he made and all this, all this cool stuff. And I've still got a little bit of that today. I wish I had more of it that he sent, but, uh, he, um, super huge fishing influence in my life. And the thing that first a fly a, or appealed to me about fly fishing was not the art of fly fishing itself, but fly tying. Cause like when you're a little kid, you like arts and crafts and you know, you like to do things and super involved. So I can't tell you how many midges I tied for my grandpa that were just looked like garbage, but I gave them <laughs> to him anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, he gave me my first fly tying kit and gave me this big, you know, fly tying book, how to, whatever, you know, what, what to match for this time of year and everything else. And, uh, excuse me, but um, he was also a really good bass fisherman, too. And um, he was a banky, bank fisherman, for sure. Uh, a banky. A banky. A banky. Yeah, he, he was a banky. <laughs> That's the first. Heard, no, I've. the word banky? I'm, I'm uh, totally out of the loop, all these yeah, new flares, man. Well, he, he was a banky. Um, because, uh, you know, growing up in southern West Virginia, or living in southern West Virginia and growing up in southern West Virginia, um, working in the coal mines, coal's up, coal's down. Um, you're always making a little bit of money, but never enough to have a bass boat. So, <laughs> But uh, grand- Grandpa was a banky, and honestly, he uh, he's still just a phenomenal bass fisherman and phenomenal smallmouth fisherman. I remember when, uh, you know, my parent, my folks moved down here, um, and he started fishing the Nolichucky. You know, he loved it he loved it um and he you know grew up fishing the new grew up fishing you know the shenandoah um all, all those you know really nice smallmouth fisheries up there but uh, he loved the nolichucky and um kind of like what ethan said earlier about uh you know the only way that you fished was with a rooster tail well my only way that i fished was the mr twister on about an eighth inch ball on an one eighth ounce ball jig head um, if you couldn't catch a smallmouth on a Mr. Twister, you were just not not going to catch them. <laughs> and it's there. funny. And my mom, who also had a really big influence on in my smallmouth fishing, she uh, loves smallmouth. She likes to catch trout, but she is a smallmouth lady. She loves them. Um, and uh, you know, mom mom taught me that little that uh, that jig motion that that reel it and jiggle it, reel it and jiggle it. And that was all she always used to say. She said, that's all you have to remember. Reel it and jiggle it, reel it and jiggle it. And, you know, just hopping, hopping grubs. That's all you were doing. And it's funny because I still, I still keep a few Mr. Twisters in my box and not to say that I haven't caught a few fish on them on a guide trip still to this day. But um, uh, that being said, I, I almost got more of a start with river smallmouth than I did really with fly fishing. Um, and time went on, you know, um, um, got it, got into high school. And then I started dating my now wife, uh, in high school. Um, so when I was about 16 years old, um, like I said, I always knew about fly fishing, always fly fishing, you know, adjacent, everything else. But I would say, and you guys would probably agree with this too. You're, you're the best year. And I tell clients this all the time, the best years to get a kid 
into fly fishing to where they truly understand it. And unless you're just like Ethan, like boy prodigy over here and it just clicks, then um, <laughs> your, uh, your, uh, your best age for kids to start fly fishing is anywhere from that, what, like 12, 10 to 16? Yeah, I would agree. Or just, well, I wouldn't even say there's a range. I'd say just like starting about like 10 or 11. Is yeah, really good. Early, yeah, early. Yeah, really, teens. really good age to start fly fishing. So I started about when I was 16, really seriously fly fishing. And um, my father-in-law, at the time, who was just my girlfriend's, excuse me, at the time was just my girlfriend's dad, um, he took me up on a another trout stream that will remain unnamed and um, took me brook trout fishing and instantly fell in love with fly fishing right there. The, the visual aspect of it, the you know, the, the beauty of the fish that you could catch the places that you would go and the places that you would see to catch these fish. And it's so involved. If you guys have, you know, if you have fly fishing experience of your own, or if you've been out with us a time or two before, you know, it's, it's really involved. There's a lot of little things that you have to think about and you're not just sitting there, you know, and this isn't a diss on like bait fishermen, but you're not just sitting there with a cooler of beer and waiting for your rod tip to double over. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a lot more involved. It's fly fishing. It's fun. Um, but, uh, Loved it, and first brook trout ever caught, sent it flying into a boulder. Sent it flying into a boulder. <laughs> so that that was my first my first trout experience. But uh, I'm sure Trav wasn't happy with that. No, Trav Trav wasn't too happy. Trav wasn't too happy with that. He he knew it was my you know kind of my first time, but um, it, it's all good. But uh, uh, what was I saying? But yeah, fly like like I say, you know. It, Growing up around here, you're going to catch trout. But like Ethan said earlier, the the fly fishing is is the biggest difference with it. Um, and now I'll be honest with you, and Ethan's right, we're not we're not purists by any sense of the imagination. But if I'm going for trout, I'm sorry, I'm fly fishing just every time. That's just me. That's how I am. Um, and mostly, I mean, we're all pretty much the same way. If we're all going to go, you know, if we're going trout fish, it's probably going to be on the fly. But uh, um, like I say, uh, just fell in love with it and um, got out of high school and started working up in Avery County, kind of around the Banderell, Canooland, um, Limble area. And uh, I was a draftsman for a local land surveyor up there. And um, kind of like Paul said um, with his corporate experience, you know, I didn't mind the work of land surveying. Um, you know, I still got to see pl- pretty of plenty pretty what are words pretty of oh my gosh plenty of pretty places and you know still got to be outside you know with due respect i was still draftsman so there were still plenty of days where i had to be behind the desk with you know a pile of folders to do a pile of things to draft and you know all that stuff but just kind of like paul i was sitting there thinking like dang like is this gonna be like it for me is this like the rest of my life like do i just sit behind a desk and then go out and make a living go home you know fish on the weekends or just hang out with family on the weekends and just like you know that's it and so kind of went through that patch there and you know still just fishing for myself or fishing for myself having fun and I always knew that there were fishing guides around like me and Ethan talked about earlier like River's Edge like you you're always like I always knew that those guys existed but I to me that was like such an unattainable like crazy thing go ahead something to say oh no no you're good oh you're i saw good. you raise the mic to your face <laughs> no but uh, it was always like such an unattainable thing like wow like that's that's how somebody makes their money 
Um, but I was like, ah, that'll never be me. You know, I'm just going to land survey and, you know, just fish for fun. But, uh, you know, as like Paul said, as, as time drug on and, and, you know, the, the less I enjoyed just being behind a desk, I was like, this just ain't it for me. Like, there's got to be something else. And I tell, I've told some of my clients this, too. They're like, well, did you ever go to college or anything like that? Never went to college, you know. And I'll, I'll be dead honest with you again, just keeping it real. Past high school by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I always tell people, when you guys just cut your mics off, Oh, is that you? Oh, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. You're am, good. I, am I not supposed to? No, no, no. You're I mess up again. <laughs> no, no, See, no, this fine. is going to be a recurring no, no, occurrence. No, no. no it's I going to be a recurring thought, occurrence. I just thought something was wrong. But uh, anyway, I, um, I just thought, uh, you know, God was just basically this 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 weird kind of unattainable thing, um, which obviously it really wasn't. Um, but uh, so dated my wife for a few years, like I say, um, and uh, was working in land surveying, and. Um, I eventually saved up enough money to uh, buy my wife a nice pretty, way, pretty ring and proposed to her um, and, uh, you know, got engaged, all that. And uh, for my wedding gift, my father-in-law got me a guided fly fishing trip on the Watauga River with him. Um, and uh, guide, really, really, uh, really, really great gentleman, really good guys. Goes by the name of Brownie Lyles out there at Watauga River Lodge. Um, so shout out you guys. But uh, um, I was on Brownie's boat, and you know we were having a great time catching fish. And I was like, this guy makes a living taking people fly fishing. I was like, that's sick. I was like, the heck with everything else. And like from that moment on, it clicked with me. I was like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. So. It about, I think about five months passed, really did some hard thinking on it. Like, man, how am I going to do this? How am I going to attain this? And I sat down and told my father-in-law, I said, Trev, I want to be a fly fishing guide. And he said, shoot, man, like, go for it. Like, I don't know. Katie was like, you know, she was all on board. Like, you know, Paul said with Casey and, um, you know, just make a living, do your thing, you know, um, don't jump the gun you know, still try to provide for your family. But if you can, you know, Trav said, if you can mesh this, mesh making a living with what you want to do uh, with your life and how you want to live it and how you want to make your living, said it's the best feeling in the world. Because um, like I say, Trav, he's a horseshoer, loves being around horses. He he, he had to make the same jump. Um, so he was a big influence for me on that. Um, and so I busted my butt. I went fly fishing probably four or five days a week all the time anytime I get chance I moved out to a garage apartment uh there in Spruce Pine town where me town where me and excuse me what are words town where me and Ethan are from and um I'd get home from my surveying job at about five o'clock and I'd go straight to the river straight to the creek straight to somewhere every single day and on the weekends both days me and my buddy Sean we'd go float the Watauga um Watauga River over in East Tennessee and uh you know, if we weren't doing that, I was still finding a creek. I was still finding something to get into uh, fishing-wise. So I was, you know, just obsessed and caught the bug for it 110%. And uh, how I got on with SAA is um, I wanted to I wanted to guide so bad. I call I was calling every fly shop from about Boone to Bryson City at least twice a month 
like I, I'm, I'm sorry to all these guys in advance, by the way, or, or post haste, because I, I bugged the crap out of you. Um, but I probably called poor Kyle Burnett like eight times. And <laughs> but uh, I, I was on Instagram back when I still had Instagram, and uh, um, there was uh, you know they do like those uh, targeted ads or whatever. Um, I guess SAA's uh, story was a targeted ad for me, um, and Paul had put a thing up on SAA's Instagram page saying "full time guide wanted," and of course me just being a like a wolf on a hamburger or something son I jumped right on it and um because I mean that's what I wanted to do I wanted to find a way to do it had to find a way to do it and um I remember I called Paul Paul was on the way back from Charleston I think it was yeah down down in uh Beaufort Beaufort yeah I can't remember the town right outside of it It starts with a W and I called Walterboro right 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 and I can't remember what he's doing down there anyway, but he was, he was driving back up and I called him and I like laid it on the line for Paul. I was like, I was like, man, this is all I want to do. And I'm pretty sure I told Paul, I was like, dude, like I'm working this job. I don't want to work this job anymore. I don't want to have a future in this job anymore. All I want to do is be a guide. I was like, and I love that story because yeah. I think of it from my perspective. That's exactly what I, thought of i was like yeah and i remember you said um you said i know this is what i want to do and i was like yeah i remember yeah. thinking the same exact yeah. thing yeah and uh <laughs> yeah awesome. it's pretty pretty sweet and i mean you know it, and this is this is a very cliche thing to say but like to me life is too short and you know i, I i've got I got to thinking, like like Paul said about being afraid about dying in the airplanes. Man, what if I die in this airplane working this job? Like, that would suck. Like, I, I, I got to kind of thinking about the same thing. Like, man, you know, life is way too short, you know, and I'd had a couple good friends pass away in, you know, recent times. I just got to thinking. I was like, man, I'm just going to go for it. And uh, I remember I called Paul, and I just laid it online. I was like, man, this is what I want to do. I don't have any kind of inheritance. I don't have any kind of big family money I'm coming into. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have any kind of like, you know, a path up in my career, really. I was like, I was like, this is what I want to do, man. And um, Paul's like, all right, let's meet up. So we met up at Java in Burnsville and laid it on the line for him again. I was like, like, man, just give me a shot. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be a... I can't be a full-time guide yet. Like, I can't make that jump yet. Because I had, like, 99 Chevrolet pickup. It's falling apart. 96 Jeep Cherokee. That was way, way falling apart. I had, like, three rods to my name. Like, hand net. Like, you know, just flies that you could scrounge up. You know, uh, but budget. Big-time budget fly fisherman at that time. And I told Paul, I was like, look, there's no way I can do this full-time yet. I said, but if you just let me run some trips with you part-time, like, I want to do this. I want to be full-time. And Paul hired me on, and uh, thank God. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know uh, – I don't. I really don't know where I'd be. I'd, I'd probably still be, you know, working, surveying, doing something. And, you know, like I said, I didn't hate it. I just, like – I just – I mean, when I talk about, like, hungry for it, I was just starving for it. I wanted to do it so bad. And um, – it's funny to think because uh, the other day I was up, uh, I, well, I attempted to run a trip. The, the creek got blown out. But um, the other day when I went up to Elk River, 
that used to be from where I worked up around Banner Elk. That was one of those rivers that I just hounded practicing, figuring stuff out, getting the hang of it. And um, I hadn't been to that river since really I'd started guiding and since really I'd long, about a year before I quit my land surveying job. And um, it was cool to pull back into that same spot again. Now a full-time fishing guide when the last time I was there, I was just that 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 hungry. You were, you were thinking about the dream. Yeah, yeah. And that was so cool. That put like the biggest smile on my face. It was, it was a really cool moment. But, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, you know, and it's just like anything else in life. If And it... The, the biggest sign of respect... You know, people... This world needs welders this world needs people to do your taxes this world needs carpenters this world needs people to sit behind a desk and there's people that are you know perfectly content with doing that the world needs those people too um people don't want to you know and it's it's not knocking regular jobs you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. because we need those people too and those people are perfectly happy perfect perfectly content with what they're doing maybe some of them aren't um but like i say to me um I was like, man, that's just not me. And everybody's got their thing. And I, I, you know, I've had many conversations with clients about this. Like, you know, um, I'll ask, I'll ask the client, like, what do you do? It's like, just an accountant. We need those people too. You know what I'm saying? But you know, you can still do whatever you want to do in this life and be a happy person. But to me, I had to be a fishing guide. So (laughs) to to your credit, I don't know if you remember this or not, Mitch, I want to add something to that. So I remember when you first came on. When I first met Ethan. Yep. Which, which is unusual because I didn't really know you, and for where we're from, to not know somebody's right. kind of it's kind of weird. But anyway, um, I was in your dad's eighth grade class. That, that's true. So, or your dad's class in eighth grade. Yes, eighth grade my class. father was a former teacher, and so yeah, I got I got a little bit of insight from him, and so I went and met up with you, and I kind of gave you the whole spiel about guiding and kind of. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to try to take out the glamour of it. And that's one thing we'll try to touch on this podcast a little bit, too, is it's not. And, you know, comparing it to somebody who works, you know, like a trades job. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we're up in the morning at the same time as people going into work at yep. like 530 in the morning. Yep. Right. We're we're with that crew. And, you know, I'm not going to say that we're as physically strained as like a construction worker, you know, someone who's welding or something like that, but it's very similar in the time you put into it, you know? Oh, yeah. And with that being said though, I remember kind of taking all the fluff out of it for you and still seeing how hungry you were for it. And I'm, I don't remember exactly what I told Paul after, but I remember going with Paul after and be like, yeah, he's got, he's got a lot of potential. Like, yeah. you know, well, I appreciate and, it. <laughs> and I could, I just watching you fish too. Um, and I remember we were on that delayed harvest somewhere and yeah, I just had trash flies on. I'm like, I'm not tying on good flies for this. <laughs> Which, <laughs> fair enough. That's all you need. To be honest with a you. Squirmy worm and a chartreuse mob fly. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, it, it's been cool watching you, watching you grow and, yeah, and your sure. knowledge. And, you know, now we're, now we're where we're at now and it's yeah. all come full circle. Like you said, so uh, the crew guys, um, you know, from when I started, um, uh, the, Ethan and Paul had this thing running really hard, really good before I even showed up. And, uh, um, you know, since I've shown up, I've, I've, I've been able to watch it grow. And, um, 
you know, now we have three three heads thinking instead of two. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure Paul thought the same thing when he hired Ethan on. Like, now I've got, you know, somebody else finally. But, you know, we have a really good th- crew of three. Well, four now, if you count Kaysen. Um, and we do. We count you, Kaysen. But, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, uh, um, you know, it's it's that we there's been a lot of growth. And the thing is, is it's there. We don't do a thing different other than just our job guys. I mean, we get up every morning, we do our job. We try to give 110% every morning that we can, unless we are sick. And I've, we've all been a little under the weather on, on a few guide trips before, but, uh, um, like I say, we, no matter what, we, we always try to give that, give 110% and you just do your job. I mean, and not every it's, I mean, guidance work, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to go into work some days, whatever you do, not feeling like, you know, just not feeling it. You know, you're, you're going to have those, you're just going to have those days. That's just life, you know? Um, but the good thing about, uh, you know, us and what we do is we get up every morning, no matter, no matter what. And we're still, we still get to do what we love to do. So that's, that's awesome. Um, like Paul said, like Ethan said, like I said, you know, uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's really what it comes down to. We just, we love our work and we love what we do. So, but, um, yeah. So that was kind of my spiel, kind of my story. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of some background for SAA there guys. So let's kind of look and see here. You want to go ahead and go over like some topics that works out yes. about yeah, so we have got a whole mess of topics that we have got cooked up for you guys. And um, we're running over about an hour long here, so I hope you guys are on a nice long jog or got a nice long commute to work or just listening in between. But uh, um, We've got two listeners. We've got, <laughs> we've got, <laughs> and we appreciate it. Yeah. We really do. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but... Uh, Hopefully, hopefully you guys spread this around. Hopefully you like it enough to spread it around. Like I say, we would love the feedback on anything you think that we might do. And don't, do not be afraid to hurt our feelings because we can take it. If the mics are off, if something's off, you'd rather something be one way or the other, please let us know. Um, but uh, let's see here, guys. So we have got a list of topics on a spreadsheet on Google Drive. That is about... 49 long, not 49 lines long. Um, so to kind of give you guys um, kind of a general layout of what we're going to do with this podcast is um, we're going to uh, do a topic and then we're going to do a what's called what we're calling a free talk session. Um, so we're going to have a topic like, uh, maybe it'll be on conservation one day. And then we're going to have just a session where we hang out and talk just like we would if we were in the shop or, uh, anywhere else, you know, just hanging out, shooting the bull. And then the next week we're going to have another topic. So we, if, if we keep up with that, we're going to have probably a solid, what do you think? Two years two years worth of topics um lord willing and we're going to come up with more and uh the cool thing about this too is um you guys can help us out with that if there's any topics you would like to see anything that you would like to hear about anything you want us to cover any questions you might have anything by that way um you know please feel free to let us know but uh ethan can you see the list over here I've, I've already got it all up here son it's all oh, my head. got it all up there it's all okay. my head no well i kind of like all of them but 
that's kind of lame answer. You can't just be like, oh, all of them. It's like when your mom asks you when you're a kid, what was your favorite part of the vacation? All of it. Me and my brother used to do that all the time. <laughs> but, um, uh, Paul, have you got some? You want me to lead that off? Yeah, I think the ones that I, were, I was looking at is... I know there's one there about bass fishing, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> the, natural, natural. the other uh, one is going to be talking about the French Broad River mm-hmm. because okay. that is mm-hmm. uh, definitely my favorite river. Fair enough. And then... Um, yeah, if you were a traditional bass angler, you will love the French Broad. I'm going to go with those two. Okay. Okay. Solid. Okay. Ethan, since... You're chomping at the bit right there. Go ahead, knock it out. <laughs> I saw one that Ethan like is gonna what, like. What's that? Go ahead and guess. What makes a smallmouth river a good smallmouth river? Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. See, I'm like the the nerdy scientist of the group that well, like goes through and takes like the water temperature, and I'm like, well, the fish weren't eating because of the barometric pressure being like this or something, you know? Yeah. Well, you you and Matt. Yeah, and, and, and Matt Michael, if you're listening, Matt. you can I, thank you for that. Yeah. But um, did you well to to that point though? The reason you are the way you are with that is did you mention anything about NC State Bass Pack anything? Yeah, I did a little bit. So yeah, I've always been kind of a a nerd in that respect. I've always wondered. And this is going back a little bit on like fishing for me is that I I would look at like a fly or a rooster tail and. I would catch a fish on it, and then I would wonder, why did that fish eat that? Because, like, when I started tying flies, for example, mm-hmm. and I remember the first one I tied, it was something the equivalent of a hare's ear, except it was just, like, I don't know, five pinches of dubbing on a hook. You know, it was the most <laughs> awful-looking thing. And I remember a trout out of a delayed harvest eating it, and I remember as a kid wondering, why did the fish eat this? This thing is uglier than sin. But you know why now, right? I know why now. Because that fish was a stalker, right? Exactly. <laughs> but with that being said, that's always been kind of my mentality. Um, so that's why I, I dig really hard into things um, and look at it from like a, a scientific perspective if you want to be fancy with it. Right. So yes, that like Paul mentioned, figuring out why a smallmouth river is the way that it is is, is one thing. I'm excited to talk about because I spent a lot of time studying that on on all the rivers we got on for smallmouth. Um, in addition to that, and here's another small tangent I'll go on here. Um, the conservation side of things is something I'm going to touch on a lot as well, hopefully, because that's something that's always been near and dear to me. Um, and you know, I'm we're we're two percent certified. We're, our business is um, partner with two percent for conservation i've done a yes. lot of stuff with them trash pickups and we just we, and we just started a non-profit too i don't think we even mentioned anything about that um you know we, we just got this non-profit all the ground we'll talk more about that in future broadcasts but we just had our first big trash pickup with that last week yes. and yes um, crane resistive flex yes in marion north carolina those guys are awesome first first uh corporate trash pickup with our uh with SAA RPC, um, our our newest uh, 5013C nonprofit. So shout out those guys. That was an awesome day. Yes, they they came through and trudged through the swamp on the Catawba uh, River. Yeah. Or Mitch did more than anybody. I thought Mitch was going <laughs> to live in there. Yeah, <laughs> but with that, that being was, said. That was one stinky, muddy time right there. And we can't thank you guys enough because I know that was a pretty tough one. But y'all did awesome. But anyway, another tangent. Yes. So one thing that I've always thought in the fishing world in general um, 
is that you see all this stuff about like different baits and how to catch fish, but there's not a lot of information out there about conservation. What I mean by that, I mean, we're always taught, you know, like, oh, capture and release is great, yada, yada. But if you don't do it right in the first place, it ain't going to matter, right? Yes. So... And we'll, and we'll share some examples of that later on. But that's, that's one thing I've spent a lot of time studying, too. And that's something I'm excited to talk about because I think there just needs to be more of it in general in the fishing world, not just in fly fishing, you know, because we always think about, you know, catch and release is more of a thing with fly fishing, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I see some pictures of fish being held by people that are fly fishing, and I'm like, well, that fish is dead. Yes. So, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you release a fish. If you don't do it right, it's going to die anyway. Right. Um, but in the bass fishing world, you know, like how MLF sets up their tournaments now where they release a fish immediately back in. That's kind of stirred a whole topic in the bass fishing world about conservation. Um, yes. I would, and muskie, too. That's, I'll, I'll go with three here. Muskie is another big thing we'll, we'll talk about, too, because um, muskie are near and dear to my heart, probably more than anybody here. But Ethan <laughs> loves a big fish. Yes, I'm, I'm a little crazy. This is a man that carries a 19-inch Ranger net on the Davidson. Yes. And I yeah. put it to good use this and year. Puts it to good use. That's, That's exactly right. right. He is, Never leave he home is, without it. He has JB welded that thing probably about four or five times at this point. I will tell you how to man, put a net together. Man, he spent more thing. money on JB weld than you could have bought a net, <laughs> net for. I could have. I could have just bought a new net, but yeah, nah, son. That got you a nice fish pond. Nah, son. You know, but uh, all right. So I'm good point, Ethan. But I'm not. Uh, um, I'm not even sure where we were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> we pull us back out of the rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah. So yeah, those, those three things I'm, I'm excited to yeah. talk about with y'all. Um, and I guess on that and Mitch, what, what are you excited about? Let's hear, well, let's no, hear your we spill. We didn't even say your topics. What are your topics? Well, I, yeah. So, oh, so that was your topic. Yeah. So, so musky, musky conservation. Okay. And you know, understanding why a smallmouth river is the way it is. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. So Paul hit the nail on the head with that one with that guess. So um, probably one of mine and, you know, I like I say, I, I like all these. These are all pretty solid. Um, I like, uh, we're going to have, like I say, we have some gear review stuff. And um, if you guys have watched any of our YouTube videos or anything in the past, we, uh, we've done, you know, some boat reviews, some raft reviews, some rod reviews, whatever you want reviewed for whatever fishing. Um, we've done a lot of that, but uh, just like some reviews and some conversation, what we like, what we don't like, stuff like that. Um, let's see. Let me look at my spreadsheet here. So, like I said, we have a lot of free talk sessions. Um, on the uh, rivers that we got on where we just talk about stories techniques things we see um on some of the fishers that we got on so there'll probably be a free talk for like the davidson probably a free talk for like the french broad uh <laughs> probably a free talk for the nolichucky um, we were just talking about that so i'm pretty stoked about that um another thing that i'm very excited about as far as our topics go is uh river etiquette and guide trip yes. etiquette. yes um that's a good so, one not only um you know will we go over about or go over um you know how to be a courteous angler on the water when you're around other people whether it's on a lake whether it's on a river wherever you're at fishing you know how to how to just be courteous towards other people because um that's that's a big problem um that you see just about anywhere nowadays uh, no matter where you go you'll probably find that unless you have that stream that's by a rock and a tree that nobody knows about um 
But, um, and another thing I'm excited about is, you know, what to expect from a guide trip. So the things that you should expect from us and things that you should expect, we feel that you should expect, um, like I say, some of this could be subjective, things that we feel like you should expect from other guide trips that you take out from other places. Um, not that we're going to name any names, not that we're going to do that kind of thing, but we're, we're just wanting to let you know what you should expect um, out of your guide whenever you hire them to, you know, run you a trip. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. Just to let give you guys some background on how we work, you know, what we think, um, and how we're going to treat you, um, which is going to be good. So, <laughs> but, um, and how to prepare your career as a guide. Um, that's a really cool topic that we have. I like that. That's one. a good, I did, I, did you sneak out in there? I, I believe I snuck that. You one snuck out in there. I didn't yeah. hear about that. Yeah. yeah. How to a... prepare your career as a guide. So I'll sum that up right now. Just buy a bunch of stuff and, and get good. <laughs> fish, <laughs> no, fish, 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 fish. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be fun, you know, for all of you guys that are, you know, maybe looking to get into the industry. Um, but gosh, I could go on and on and on. Um, about these topics that we have guys we're really excited about them and uh you know like uh, like i said we're, we're gonna have a lot we're gonna do a little bit of everything we're gonna cover a lot of bases we're gonna cover like i say it's not just gonna be you know instructional oh use this time of fly for this time of year use this type of bait for this time of year. there's gonna be some of that too don't get me wrong there's gonna be plenty of that but one thing you know we were discussing having meetings about you know what we wanted this podcast to be is uh, we didn't want it just to be an informative. We wanted it to be a discussion, you know, reviews, um, hear about stories and stuff like that because um, all three of us listen to podcasts a lot. I'm pretty religiously, I listen to podcasts a lot. Um, I know Paul, Paul's recently really started. I've recently got real big into yeah, it. I mean, yeah. I'm like nonstop in the morning on the way to a trip, on go jog, workout. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and if you drive as much as we do for work, podcasts will help keep your sanity. That's for sure. So <laughs> when it's when it's five o'clock in the morning, you've got a two hour drive down to the Tuckasegee. That'll 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 help you easy on down there. But uh, um, we uh, yeah, like I say, we we're just trying to cover a broad spectrum, more or less, with uh, with the things that we're we're trying to talk about. All things fishing, um, you know good bad ugly informative all the above um but uh i think guys that pretty much just about wraps us up um like i say you know the uh the whole point of this episode was just to kind of you know let you guys know that we're here um and to kind of break the ice uh with this whole podcast thing a little bit and like i said this is the third time if there's anything that we can do to improve this, we would love to hear your feedback. Um, we are not, we're, we're three fishing guides guys. We are not, <laughs> we are not production professionals here. Okay. So, I, um, my knowledge of this stems mainly from YouTube and a few friends, uh, that I know that have podcasts. Um, so if there's any, any of you guys out there, you know, have any kind of tidbits of knowledge from that whatsoever with that, that's greatly appreciated. But, um, the main goal here is just to have a medium to talk and just kind of an outlet um, for you guys to listen. So, um, Ethan, Paul, any uh, 
any parting words there as far as that goes? Anything you want to add to that? Man, I'm just excited and uh, looking forward to hanging out and talking some fishing and ragging on Ethan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For at least an hour. Yeah. Well, why Ethan always gets it. Yeah. He, he just day. deserves it, I think. That's, That's true. Why. I mean, I, I'm only good for brand coffee. so yeah. And snacks. And snacks. We, we all know this. Yeah. Uh, but now to, to reiterate Paul's point, I'm I'm excited, too. It's it's going to be fun. I've had a blast doing this already. Just, mm-hmm. to, just to put that out there. It's been fun. Yeah. It's been a lot of We've fun. We've been looking forward to this all year. It's so fun. Well. And, and I think, I think uh, last point is we're going to try to – Every two weeks upload, is that it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we probably should have mentioned that. Um, yeah, every two weeks or so. Um, you know, just kind of keep it as fresh with for you guys as we can. You know, uh, given the respect to our crazy God schedules for the summertime, now in the wintertime, it's going to be easy peasy getting together and cranking these things out. But uh, this time of year when we're guiding, excuse me, uh, this time of year when we're guiding, um, like I say, schedules can be pretty hectic. Um, if you stay as busy as we are, fortunately, we're that busy to, to be able to say that. Um, but Paul's right. Yeah, about every two weeks um, is what we're going to try to make happen with this podcast. So. And we'll try to get into a rhythm or, or, a, or a schedule of like every Monday for every right. two weeks or right. something like yeah. that. Yeah, so something around there. This is yeah. just setting the stage. Yeah, the podcast may be recorded at another time, but posted on schedule um, for you guys to listen to and for you guys to pick up. So, um, if, if, you know, maybe we might talk about a current event that happened like, you know, four or five days ago and maybe we're a little out of date on it. You know, like I say, it's, uh, we're going to try to record and upload as much as we can and, uh, just try to keep it fresh for you guys. And again, I apologize about the video element to this show. Um, that's one thing we, we were mainly concerned about the audio, um, we want to get you guys some video for sure, 100%. But um, right now I'm shooting it with an iPhone or attempted to shoot it with an iPhone um, on a little tripod stand. And I don't think my poor little iPhone has enough storage for that. Um, but uh, we'll get that definitely figured out for you guys and, um, you know, get it up on YouTube. And, um, you know, like I say, wherever you get your podcast, you should be able to hear this. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think that pretty much does it, guys. Um, I think Ethan and Paul are good to go. And like I say, I hope you've enjoyed episode one. Again, we would uh, definitely appreciate some feedback on that. Um, so for our next episode, that is going to be our first free talk session. Um, like I said earlier, just going to be us, um, you know, just kind of sitting around shooting the bull. This one today um, ran a little long because it is our welcome podcast. Um, you know, we wanted to give you guys background what we're trying to accomplish with it, everything just kind of right there off the bat. Um, and that was, that was really our main goal for this first podcast here. But uh, our next podcast, it could be an hour long. It could be two hours long. It could be 30 minutes long. You never know how long we're going to sit and talk. But um, guys, thank you very much. And uh, have a good rest of your day. And uh, tight lines. See you next time.